0: This is the Women Emerging Expedition podcast, so you can follow the ups and downs and the roundabouts of the expedition and play your part in them. 24 women started on the 28th of May, 2022 on this virtual expedition that will take nine months. We are women from across the world, determined to find an approach to leadership that resonates with women. We'll be successful so that women the world over will be able to say, if that's leadership, I'm in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Julia Middleton, Expedition Leader. The expedition is now eight months through. We've done eight months since May. Seems extraordinary. And there's four months to go. At our recent session, I asked all the members to come and to bring an object with them, an object that they would then describe to us that would, and the object sort of should reflect um, not what they've learnt so far on the expedition, but rather what they've unlearnt. What, what have they thought again about and unlearnt as a result of the last eight months on the expedition? And um they all came, but let me tell you about Annelouche. louche I just she arrived with um her grandmother's nightdress. It was elegant and beautiful and lacy and oh, it was beautiful and Anna Lush talked about the fact that you know before the expedition, I think she 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 half thought that maybe the the struggle for women was 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 coming to an end, and that we had moved on and I think that for Anna Louche, the big thing that she's unlearned is that that isn't indeed true, and that um it's very much a struggle that continues. It rang a bell for me because I remember when we started women emerging. There was um, someone who said to me, but surely, but surely, you know, progress on the women front, progress on the women front has been significant over the last 30 years. Look back, Julia, things have changed. And I remember saying, do you remember, do you remember what a computer looked like 30 years ago? And think about what it looked like 30 years ago compared to what it looks like now. Think of the speed of change over the last 30 years and then compare that to the speed of change on the issues of women. Yeah, sure there's been some progress, but the pace has been almost glacial. And it's been glacial in so many places, moving forward but incredibly slowly. Well, and and in some places it's actually being... it's going backwards and particularly, to my mind, in STEM. There's a lot of talk about STEM being slow to progress. I would argue it's going backwards. And I thought it would be interesting to talk to Catherine Ruggles about this because she has been at the heart of it for many, many years. There are two reasons. One is because Catherine is sort of the same age as me, so she has seen the evolution over the last few decades. She's seen it all pretty well. And secondly, because Catherine Ruggles is um, Director of Software Engineering at Google and, and, and therefore has real inter- insight into the issues. I asked Catherine about what were the prospects of getting, getting STEM back on track and perhaps more importantly about where the pressure would come from for it to get back on track because it hasn't always been like this and certainly when Catherine set out in the early days things were, in her view, better. Catherine talked to me about privilege, about allies and maybe, most surprisingly, about the problems that are caused by the illusion in the world of STEM That it's a meritocracy. But um, let's start with where will the pressure for change come from, Catherine?
1: The one thing that
0: I have noticed most is that
1: being able to not sort of be co-opted into whatever is the, the, you know, the difficult situation is really mainly about privilege and that it really is a matter of to challenge something, you have to not need it in a certain sense. You have to not need it to validate you. So one of the difficulties is when you look at, say, women in STEM is a really good example. Um, women coming in who are ambitious, they have a stake in believing in the system. You know, they They need to buy into the myth if they're going to succeed in some ways. And so the difficulty is if you start challenging that, you're gonna have a hard time if you want to actually you know, rise up in that world, right? Because the people that, that have made it in the meritocracy obviously believe in it. So they think this system works. And so if you start challenging the system, you're challenging their, their valid, value as it were. Um, And that's not really gonna get you very far in climbing the ladder as it were. So in a certain sense, I think in order to really make a difference, you have to not care about climbing the ladder, which I think is really about privilege. Um, If in fact, you don't need the job, then you can challenge. But if you really need the job, if you really need to succeed in your career, it's really hard to challenge Um, and I think that 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 is true the more you don't fit the mold. So the more you are a marginalized group, the more you are, you know, from a disadvantaged background, any of those things, the harder it is to challenge. The more you are part of the majority group and so on, the easier it is. Um, But even so, it's hard because you're really challenging sort of the success of all the people who have moved up the ladder, who are going to now be judging you and being in charge of your success. Um, so I think, I think it really is a matter of how privileged you are and how little you need to be part of the system.
0: What about the people who are not part of the marginalized group? I think, I
1: think that's, that's much easier. They, they tend not to get as dinged for it. Um, I mean, it is the case that when you look at sort of, you know, women who are doing things around um, women uh, around, you know, sort of advancement of women in, the, in STEM, that, you know, they're, especially engineers, they're will sometimes, they're, well, are they, they're doing too much of that? Are they doing enough engineering? You know, that kind of thing. But no guy ever gets that. You know, they just get a, a you know, little star for working on, you know, diversity. Um, so, yeah, it's much easier for people who are not marginalized groups.
0: So I'm the person who can see your face when you say get a little star for diversity. Um, and I, I, I mean, I feel the same look on my face coming when I use the word ally. I mean, you know, these male allies, I feel yeah. so patronized. It's unbearable.
1: <laughs> it's true, but at the same point, time, they do make a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, it, it is the case that they make a huge difference. Uh, and
0: so, I, I, you know, I would hate for them to stop. <laughs> so where will the challenge, where will successful challenge come from?
1: I think external. I think it's very hard to challenge from inside um, any of these systems, and especially the ones that are these... This, that really can consider themselves a true meritocracy. Um, I think it's really hard. I mean, I think things like the gender pay gap report and things like that are really good um, because I do think that it, it sort of bashes the myth a little bit of it being a meritocracy. Um, I think that, that sort of understanding that it's not understanding that it's not because of discrimination, not because of a lack of interest in STEM by females, I think is really important. Um, and I think you do that by demanding more transparency. Um, so, but I think it has to come from outside. I really do. I don't. I don't think it will come from inside. Remember, the people who are running these companies uh, are very much, you know, believe in it. Believe that they really did devise a system that was objective and merit, meritous. And, you know, all that stuff. I think the the worst part is you see a lot of young men who come in like the young women thinking it's a meritocracy, look around and see only male leaders and say, well, that must be because women aren't suited. I mean, that to me is the worst part.
0: What damage has the concept of meritocracy done? I think a huge amount because it makes it an individual's
1: problem, not a systemic one. Right. So the difficulty is that, you know, when, yeah, when I was a programmer or whatever, I mean, you know, I knew that women faced certain challenges in the workplace. Um, And so when things, when I didn't get whatever the guy was getting or whatever, I assumed that, you know, there was, there was some discrimination going on there. And I mean, I knew that they paid the guys more because they had a family to support and so on and so forth. So, I mean, you know, I, I had no illusions about that stuff. I mean, people said it right out. I mean, it wasn't like you you didn't know. Where now, I think women are really gaslit into believing. And even if you tell them otherwise, they still, it's like it's them. I mean, and, and I think that in a certain sense, the whole thing about being, um, being unsure and, and women having imposter syndrome and all of that, I, I don't think women actually do have imposter syndrome any more than men do. I think the difference is women are self-aware enough to know they have imposter syndrome. And I think that, that you know, men tend to feel like that's not an okay thing. So they cover it up even to themselves, most likely. Um, but the difficulty is because of all of that, you know, women do tend to think it's their own fault. You know, and again, because of the trainings that they give them, no act this way, no be like this. No, don't be like that, be like this. You know, pretend, you know, men are taught all their lives to pretend you're confident, right? Pretend you're, you're, you know, not hurt, pretend all of these things. And they have a whole lifetime of doing that. And so women come into the workplace and they're told, no, no, you have to start pretending like this. And you know, women are not used to doing that. Um, but the difficulty is if if in fact, we, you know, we tell them that this is the reason they're not successful. They think it's their personal failing rather than it's a culture that, you know, basically rewards a certain kind of behavior that has nothing to do with being a good engineer.
0: What's it have something to do with?
1: You know, society's view of what a leader looks like, what success looks like, all of this stuff. I mean, and, and it really is that kind of thing. It's like, you know, women are used to showing their emotions. Women are used to being emotional. Women are used to um, being aware of their emotions. Men don't have that awareness. Men allow themselves really only, you know, one emotion, one negative emotion, which is anger. They don't allow themselves to feel hurt. They don't allow themselves to feel sad or any of those kinds of emotions. And, and certainly not in the workplace. Um, and so you know, this, this difference, and the fact that sort of men who exhibit that, you know, that stereotype, that very confident, very um, you know, lack of emotion kind of thing, um, succeed makes women feel like they're wrong for having emotions and being aware of their emotions. Um, but I do feel like it does make women better leaders often. Um, because I think that one of the problems with men not having as much self-awareness, especially when they're younger, is that they tend to misconstrue things. Um, and so they will, you know, get angry when they're hurt and maybe anger isn't the best solution to that problem, whatever it might be. So I think that that this is actually, you know, something that you know, makes men not all that good at certain kinds of things, um, but is seen as a positive. And it does tend to be, you know, you look like a leader because you're acting that way.
0: And part of that acting that way is to show anger. Yes,
1: show anger, but, but mostly show very little emotion. But the only emotion that is acceptable to show is anger. But, but the problem is, I mean, you know, men are just as emotional as women. <laughs> they, just, they just can't show it
0: and they don't really know it. They're not that self-aware. Has there ever been a moment where you have thought, um, "I'm in danger of becoming part of the problem"? Um, I
1: don't know if I've thought it that much, but I'm sure I've been it. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for you know 40 years, <laughs> and and you know, tech has been. You know, getting progressively bad over those years, and I've been in leadership positions, so I clearly have been part of the problem. I am not—I am not by nature an activist. I'm by nature a geek. Um, I really never set out to change the world. I set out to write computer programs, um, and that's what I love doing. And so, in a certain sense, I'm sure that I've been part of the problem often. Um, and I'm not sure—I'm not sure it's mattered to me all that much a lot of the time. Um, But I do feel like it got to such a place and the culture of computing changed. And and so one of the things that happened for me was the whole, when, when I started seeing sort of the Facebook and the social media stuff and how that was influencing the world and how that had been built by a culture that was all about you know, sort of competition, getting ahead and not so much about care and all of those other kinds of things that would matter to me. Um, I started thinking that, that, in fact, sort of this horrible culture in tech was actually impacting the world in a way that, that was really detrimental. Um, and, and sort of the lack of understanding of that, of how that was happening in, I think, the leadership of various tech companies, um, I think is
0: a result of you know, the culture in tech. So you've been a boiling frog yourself Catherine, not noticing as the heat gradually rose over, over the years?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely was a boiling frog. I mean, I think there's no two ways about it. Um, and, and I do think that, you know, for at least the first 20 years of my career, um, I was somewhat oblivious or, you know, somewhat boiled. But it's like at this moment... You know, there's no there's no boiling frog. It's all it's all it's all you know on fire. So it's not like you jump into it and you don't know. I think it's much more you jump into it and you're gaslit. Not that it gets worse because it is already worse. I mean, yeah, there is no. I mean, tech culture is is already sort of boiled.
0: What culture have you deliberately gone out to create in your own team now?
1: A lot of the stuff around um, being who you are. I mean, and, and, and everyone being who they are is, is OK. That, that being clear about what the, the, the many, many different ways you can be a successful engineer, that there is not one type of good engineer, that, that, and that what matters is, you know, the software. And, and building great software and not, you know, your, your, you know, affect how well you pre- promote yourself, all of these other things. Um, and, and I do think that, you know, sort of allowing people to have their emotions, allowing people to be who they are, um, all of those things and encouraging it in, in so many ways, um, I, I think is really important. But it's not easy. I mean, you know, you're, you're going against a huge, a huge amount of sort of, this is the way it is kind of stuff and, you know, bro culture um, that is just, you know, really entrenched.
0: Are you quite glad you were your generation?
1: I feel like, you know, I, I did get to ride a revolution that was fascinating to me. You know, I mean, I, I am a geek. I love, I love computers. I love all the stuff about them. So I didn't, I didn't really have to fit in in a certain sense. I certainly didn't have to go through what I think young women have to go through right now. Jenny's horrible um, and uh, so yes I mean I don't think I would have done all that well in this kind of world that we have now um, so uh, you know in that sense I'm I'm really glad and I feel lucky
0: but you mean yeah, what can... women have to go through now is really horrible
1: oh I mean just the I mean you know the the twist yourself into a donut and act like a guy in order to get you know to, to be successful change your personality to be successful. Um, I didn't have to do it, luckily. I'm very grateful.
0: It's even worse than that, isn't it? It's change your personality to be successful and even outrageously to be authentic. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Don't you love that? <laughs> yeah, you have to be authentically inauthentic.
1: <laughs> and yeah, no, it is, it is. It is a riot. I mean, it really is. Um, and and And, you know, and it is like, it's kind of like, I mean, you know, I, I am a gay woman and I, you know, I was back then, and there's no chance in hell it would have occurred to me that I would ever be out on the job, you know? I mean, for the first 20 years of my career, I was totally closeted, of course, because everybody was and didn't bother me. or <laughs> I mean, That's a whole nother set of things, but it certainly didn't bother me in my career. You know what I mean? It's like having to turn my personality around to be a different person would have been much harder. You know, being in the closet was easy in comparison. Um, and so I feel like women today are being told you know, to be different, um, to be who not who they are in order to be successful. And I think that's kind of horrible.
0: It is quite extraordinary how good men just don't see this. They just don't get it.
1: Hmm. I, I, you know... I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I know, I know a few men who I think get it, um, who are really good allies, but I will say yes, very few. And, and it is true that, you know, I, I think the trainings don't help because, you know, the trainings do, you know, kind of obvious stuff and make people feel like this sort of performative obvious stuff is what the problem is and it's not
0: if i if there was one thing you wanted to say to young women it would be what
1: it would be that it's not them that it's that it is not a level playing field it is not a meritocracy if they don't succeed at something it's not their individual fault that we need to be really clear that this is the, the the meritocracy that that they the meritocracy that is supposedly tech is in fact very uneven i mean yeah i mean and, and this this notion that somehow you have to get good at promoting yourself you have to do these things it's like well actually you do have to do
0: them if you want to succeed but you shouldn't and this comes back to don't believe your own bullshit you're gonna to have to do the bullshit, but don't let yourself believe it yourself.
1: Yeah, don't let yourself believe it yourself. And it's like, you know, the more the more we succeed, the less it'll be necessary. Hopefully. I mean that that's subjective. But it is necessary right now.
0: Thank you so much. So, so much. Um Catherine, uh, the um, the illusion of meritocracy and the dangers of this illusion are ringing in my head. Um, the good news, I suppose, is that you ended on a hopeful note that maybe the future will be better, having, of course, painted a pretty grim picture of where we are now. To counterbalance that, I thought I would go and talk to Nasipo in South Africa, because she sort of picks up on this issue of hope. Her approach over the years has been a total determination to be herself at any cost, and um, she's got the scars to prove it. She also has success to report because um, her determination has taken to the top of the ladder in mining, in ports, in railways if not in stem but um huge success but huge determination i do wonder if she has the benefit of being in africa where women seem to me to be rising at such an incredible pace and maybe perversely the advantage is not being global where the gaslighting of the illusion of meritocracy is so debilitating um, anyhow, let me let Nasifo tell you her story. Nasifo, just how tough is it um, being the only woman? Because I, I, I'm, t- I'm very much aware of the fact that I'm talking to a woman who is a woman of firsts and in extraordinary sectors, mining, ports, railways. You have, yeah, you've been first. So, how tough is it?
2: Julia, um, in the beginning, I must tell you it is very tough because you walk into an environment of experienced people who have been working in these environments for years, who are not necessarily ready for a woman boss, if you think about it. So what I actually realized quickly was that for me to learn in this environment, I must wear my PPE, which is my overalls and my safety boots and my hat. And go to the ground to learn from the employees. So that I can understand the language, it was in the port environment, to understand the language, to understand how it works, because in the boardroom, nobody is willing to teach you when they actually think that you shouldn't be there in the first place. The second thing that I quickly moved myself away from was this thing of wearing black suits and white shirts trying to fit in. And I started wearing my colorful dresses so that I bring my femininity into the job and know when to do what. A good example, I had an ex-co of 10 white males who have been collectively worked in the ports for more than 80 years, if you like. All of them were more like more than 25 years experience. So if I walked into a meeting with them with a client in the morning when they're having coffee, They will exchange business cards. They'll completely ignore me as if I'm not in the room. They'll chat about sport and do all those other things that eliminate you. And when you do the technical presentation, by tea time, everybody is in a queue coming to take your card, because all of a sudden they are now thinking, how can you be this technical? They didn't expect much from you. The third thing that I did well was to actually appoint more women. I, I was not fascinated by the idea of being the only woman. Being a first, you can't help, but I felt very strongly about not being the only woman in the boardroom. So we, di- we quickly diluted them, had a second woman coming in. Before you notice, we were three, and, and men were never ready for us. I think that's at the crux at the heart of this thing is that men were just never ready for us. And when we came, they didn't think that we would succeed at the levels that we did.
0: So actually, you're playing the low expectations of you to surprise them and then get in there.
2: Yeah, when they're not even noticing. And the, the toughest thing about being a pioneer is that you can't fail. That's a big burden. It's a burden.
0: But you're not suggesting that we all become like men.
2: No, I don't want to be ever like a man. I always say to, that's why I wear the floral dresses. I say to people, the men have been designed or built to have egos, women have intuition. So we are driven by empathy. That's how, that's how, we, that's how God did this, right? So what we try, when, when we try to be men in these jobs, we become so cruel instead, because it's not us. So for me, the biggest thing that I've fought for even today I don't want to try to be a man. Do you
0: not think that sometimes that if you had conformed and done it the man's way, you would have achieved even more?
2: I could have, I think, but, but I, unfortunately, I was not in that game because it comes naturally to me that I'm a woman first and then I'm a leader.
0: And if that means that you don't climb the ladder as fast, so be it.
2: So be it. I have, I'll give you an example. When I actually, um, I think it was my fifth year in an executive role, and I was, I was asked to actually go and head up operations. And I told my boss that I don't, I'm not ready for that. Because the other thing that I wanted to do was to learn as much as I can, that by the time I become a COO or CEO of an organization, I know exactly what I'm talking about so climbing the ladder fast because you're a woman if you're not gathering any it's also a waste
0: because you can't fail
2: because you can't fail
0: do you think that the real change will come from the inside of organizations or from the outside
2: you have to be inside the system to shake it but you must be bold you must be willing to take risks you must be willing to be fired because those things have happened to me, all of them. So you, you, you have to shake the tree from inside. There is no other way of doing it. Because influencing something that you can control does not give you any much value.
0: But if you try to do it from the inside, will you never get to the
2: top? Well, I got to the top. I did it from inside. I got fired. I got demoted um, twice in one day. But I continued to shake the tree, and um, and 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 because of the strides I was doing in the industry, because I stayed in the industry as well. Because well, that's the other thing that we don't do as women, because we are so few. Some people make the mistake of jumping from one industry to the next. I stayed in the industry so that I gained the respect of the industry. So taking the tree from inside, you must be willing to take risks. I've I've called three meetings with my children where I've told them I've been demoted, came back, I said I've been demoted again, came to them, I've been fired without a plan. I've also resigned without a plan to go and influence elsewhere. But it always has to be inside.
0: Do you think things will change?
2: The wheel is turning very slowly, but it is turning. Women are actually making strides out there in the private sector, in the public sector, globally as well, the wheel is turning. And I think the future is women. Subsequent to COVID and the pandemic, people are now choosing where they want to work. They choose who they want to work with. So there isn't going to be future for bosses who think they will bully people into doing things. Women have an opportunity to get into that gap and use their natural empathy to lead their teams. I think at the heart of the problem is that the world believe in men. So there's a strong sense that when a man walks in, uh, they know what they're talking about and things are about to change. I once went to Germany to negotiate a, a, a deal with one of the automotive sectors, one of the major automotive sectors. They asked three times, the Germans, so where's your boss? This was in 2002, long before they they had a, a woman prime minister themselves. Where is your boss? And I kept saying, I am the boss. Because for them, this deal might not be closed because there isn't a man accompanying you. So men have mastered the thing of actually getting the world to believe in them. And it's something that we're beginning to master as women and it's taking us long to have the confidence to say, the bug stops with me actually, and yes, we will close this deal. So for me, at the heart of it is that if you're working as a man, there's full-time confidence immediately that things are going to change and it will happen.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you, Nasifo and Catherine. Um, a great deal to think about as the wheel turns, so very, very slowly, but I suppose... It is turning. That is the positive piece. Um, I, uh, I I worry about Anna Lucia's grandchildren holding up her nightdress <laughs> in years to come. But anyhow, uh, the thing that frightens me the most is that maybe the wheel is turning almost slowest in the world of STEM, where where STEM is is driving so much of the pace of change all over the world, but not in this issue. Um, And, you know, people in STEM, they endlessly seem to talk about it being a pipeline problem. And talking to Catherine seems to me to make it absolutely clear that it's not much to do with pipeline. It's to do with the culture. So thank you both Nesipo and Catherine. So the expedition has four months to go. There's a great deal going on. Thank you to everybody who's following us. Everybody who's throwing their ideas in. Everybody who's suggesting fantastic people for me to talk to and meet and learn from and explore with. Thank you so, so much. Uh, And lots of love. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love you to follow the expedition and provide your own stories and perspectives. You can do this by subscribing to this podcast and joining the Women Emerging Group on LinkedIn, where you can have your say.